up, everyone? Thank you for tuning into Tethered, a podcast dedicated to helping followers of Jesus stay connected to Him day by day. My prayer for this episode is that it would encourage you, challenge you, and propel you to abide more deeply in Jesus. I hope you're encouraged by this episode. Let's jump right on in. What's up, everyone? Once again, this is your host, Joey Morales. I really appreciate you listening to episodes here on Tethered. If you've been impacted in any way by these episodes, please subscribe to the podcast to keep up to date on when episodes drop, and please share with your friends and family on social media however you share things. I would really appreciate it. For this episode, I preached a sermon on John 8.31-32. I gave this sermon at a crew weekly meeting at the University of Missouri in Kansas City on October 24th, 2019. I used the passage to show students that Jesus offers them true freedom if they continue to believe in Him. It was also to show students that Jesus came to set people free from the penalty of sin and came to give those who follow Him new life and what it means to abide in Him. Without further ado, Here is the sermon I preached at this crew weekly meeting. Good evening, everybody. So, like I said, my name is Joey. I'm a volunteer here at crew, and I'm really thankful to be here to be be speaking to you all. So, um, our passage tonight is going to be from John 8, 31 to 32. So, if you go ahead and open your Bibles or go on your phones or... However you read the Bible, um, go ahead and turn there, and I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version, or as I like to call it, the Extra Spiritual Version. I mean, there's different names for different, like, translations, like New Living Translation, you call it, like, the, you know, New V Version, something like that. <laughs> but anyways, um, so last week... We had Darren here. Um, you guys remember Darren? <laughs> so he actually spoke on a topic about freedom in Christ. And I actually want to continue to speak on that topic because it's really crucial in today's age what it means to have freedom. I know for me, freedom in Christ is something that was very impactful 10 years ago when I became a believer, when I started following Jesus, when he redeemed me, when he saved me from my sins. And the gospel has the power to change an individual as sinful as myself. And so I really want to take tonight, you know, to emphasize what true freedom looks like. And so because in today's age, we believe that freedom is the pursuit of doing whatever pleases our heart. And so that could look like this, um, drinking, drugs, anything of the sort. We try to find freedom in those things, but they end up resulting in vanity. So I just want to take time to pray. Um, Before we start, so I'll go ahead and pray for us for this evening. Lord, I thank you so much for each and every student here tonight, God, that you providentially brought. Some of them come with brokenness, God. They're wanting something more. They're finding discontentment in the things of this world, God. And I just pray that tonight, God, that you would speak to someone's heart here tonight, God, that you would draw yourself to them. 
Save them from their brokenness, God. Save them from their sin. That there's hope in Jesus. Not in any religious system that exists, but only in Christ alone. And I pray that, God, you would be magnified. That students here would come to experience who you really are, God. Because Jesus is ultimate. And I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. All right, so who here has seen the movie Braveheart? It's one of my favorite movies. Freedom! Exactly. It's a movie about freedom. So the main character is William Wallace, and he wants to see the Scottish people freed from the bondage of King Edward, also known as Longshanks. And so he traveled all over Europe just to know what it's like to live in the world. And when he came back to Scotland... He fell in love with his childhood friend, Murren, and there was a law at the time called Prima Nocte. And so Prima Nocte basically meant that English noblemen can sleep with any Scottish person that got married. And so Murren and William had to get married in secret. And so the English found out about it. And if you've seen the movie, Murren gets murdered by getting her throat sliced. This infuriated William a lot. So he was ready to, you know, beat some people up. Let's scatter people up and fight these English people who are taking our freedom away. And so a lot of people wanted to follow William's example. And so because they were so fed up with being under bondage of Longshanks. And so William really gathered a lot of people if you've watched the movie. But it ultimately led to his arrest. And so he was tried for treason. And basically, the executioner was trying to get him to plead for mercy. William would not recant from that. All he could think about is the freedom of the the Scottish people that he desired. And so his very last words, if you've seen the movie, is freedom before he gets his head chopped off. But that did not stop the Scottish people from pursuing freedom. It actually motivated them to fight for freedom. So Robert de Bruce, the leader of the Scottish people, was so captivated and so firm in his beliefs for freedom that they actually ended up becoming free. Why do I start with that? And I know that Braveheart's not the most accurate example of Scottish history, but at least presents this idea that you fight for freedom because of what you believe in. And so you're so convinced by that truth that it drives you, it motivates you, that you want to put in that effort to keep fighting, to continue to labor, to be free. And that's exactly what those people who believe in Christ fight for. They fight for freedom from sin because sin holds us so bonded It wants to trap us. It wants to keep us miserable. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do. Jesus came on this earth to save who? Sinners. Because apart from him, people will die in their sin. And sin holds people bondage. I'm really emphasizing that because sin wants to rob humans of true freedom. But what does that look like? Um, So the main point I want to get across tonight is this. 
is that Jesus offers you true freedom if you believe and continue in Him. Jesus offers you true freedom if you believe and continue in Him. So I want to take the next few minutes just to explain what this means and how Jesus came to uh, set people free from their sins, the bondage of of sin specifically, and how He came to give those who follow Him new life and what it means to continue in Christ Jesus. So let's go ahead and turn to our passage. I'm actually going to have it up on the screen there as well. And so I'm going to read this and just listen to these words that Jesus says to the Jews. So, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What does that mean? Well, before we get into the meat of this passage, I want to take some time to, you know, look what happens before. So we learn from the context that Jesus proclaimed to the Jews that he's the light of the world. That's how pretty much the beginning of chapter 8 begins. I mean, there's a little, you know, before that, there's a woman who, you know, is about to get stoned by some Pharisees. But Jesus wasn't going to let that happen. Like, nope, not on my ground. Like, this girl's going to get saved. And so, but after that, he's basically making this profound statement. I am the light of the world. And that's basically what happens throughout the book of John is Jesus is making these statements that he is the, the promised Messiah of Israel. And so and he makes this other profound statement that just really gets the Jews thinking like, who is this dude? Um, He says that whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. That's pretty profound. And he he continues, he continues, you know, sharing with the Jews. If they knew him, they would know his father. So it's not up on the screen, but I'm going to read verse 24. um, 21 to 24, my apologies. Um, This is what it says. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said... Will he kill himself? Since he says, where am I going? You cannot come. He said to him, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And from there, we learn that Jesus continues to ask Jesus who he is. Because they're just not understanding. They're like blinded. They're... um, (laughs) I hate to say it this way. It's like, they're not getting it. Like, they're dumb. It's like, come on, Jews. Like, don't you realize who this is? And so, um, but verse 27 even alludes to that, um, that he's speaking to him about the Father. And then Jesus goes on, you know, from there, and this is what he says. Um, so Jesus said to him, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know I am he, and I do nothing on my own accord but speak as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So as soon as he starts sharing this more, then some Jews start to get softened by his words because of what he's saying about himself. Who he is is both God and man. But this is the really key verse that emphasizes and actually transitions us into the next, you know, the next verses, what we read on screen there. 
As he was saying these things, many believed in him. All right. That's good news. And then again, we come to our passage. And from there, we come to realize what it means to be his disciple and to find true freedom in Christ. So it happens two ways. So let me go ahead and unpack that. So the first point is that you must believe Jesus for who he says he is. And so let's go ahead and um, read verse 31 again. So it says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him. So the Jews were God's chosen people. Um, They were God's representatives on the earth in Old Testament times. So they had this law they had to keep. It was called, you know, in Hebrew, the Torah. And so it's basically the, the law that's revealed in the book of Leviticus and so on and so forth. And basically this law was provided for Jews to know what it means to have a right relationship with God. But the Jews though, or the Israelites, man, they just could not keep it. I mean, if you read the book of Judges, you just see these judges getting raised up and Israel goes back into sin. Like, come on, didn't you just realize what, you know, Gideon just did for you? How he led, you know, you all from freedom from the Midianites? Or Samson is another example. Not a great guy, but um, he still fought for Israel. I mean, look at Jephthah, so he sacrificed his daughter. Like, if you guys don't know who those names are, I really encourage you to read the book of Judges. It's a, it's a very sad book. It's one of the saddest books in the Bible. But what you see in there is just Israel just keeps falling and falling. And, even, and this is what he even says towards the end of the book. It says that, you know, the people of Israel did what was right in their own eyes. Oh, because they had no king. That's some sad news. And so... So these prophecies had to be made to Israel. Like there's going to be one that comes that will soften you, that will cause you to return to God, to Yahweh. And so, and Jesus is that promised Messiah. And that's what basically Jesus was trying to say here to the Jews. And so that's who the Jews are. The next, the next verse says, who had believed, uh, says this, if you, who had believed in him. And so what does it mean to actually believe in him? So there's the Greek word, um, it's called pisteo. I think that's how you say it. I don't speak Greek very well. Um, but basically what that word is signifying is that one must be committed unto, to be put in trust with, to commit to one's trust. To consider to be true or to accept the word or evidence of. And so this word, pisteo, is used actually 239 times in the New Testament to denote believe. And so remember earlier when Jesus was sharing with the Jews that they must believe that I am he is what he said. And if you read the book of John, you read about certain miracles that the writer calls signs. And so... I mean, there's a sign of, you know, Jesus turning water into wine. There's a sign that Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. But before this passage takes place, the sign was that Jesus just fed 5,000 people who were just really hungry and they wanted some food. So they got some fish and they got some bread. And man, those people were fed and they, they ate good. And so I'm telling you, they were satisfied. But, I mean, and that caused many people to believe in, you know, who he is as far as like, oh, this guy is, you know, he's just a prophet. 
He, you know, he can do what Elijah did or um, was Isaiah. And so many Jews believed he was the prophet who was to come into the world, but a lot of Jews saw Jesus as this liberator. Because at that time, Israel was under captivity from the Romans. And so they thought Jesus was the guy who can lift, you know, raise an army to fight against the Romans and be free from the Romans. But that's not the idea here. And so the idea is when Jesus shared that, unless they believe that he is essentially he, they're going to die in their sins. That's a pretty powerful statement coming from Jesus. I mean, the Jews see it, see it as blasphemous. Like, we should kill that guy because he's making claims that he is God. And in the Jews' minds, when they think of God, they think of, you know, I am. So let me read you a passage from John eight fifty eight that really infuriates the Jews. Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. That really made the Jews mad. Why? Well, I am is the name that God used to reveal himself to Moses in the burning bush. And basically, when God is talking to Moses in that burning bush, this is what Moses asked, like, you know, if I go to the Israelites, who do I tell them is sent me? God replies, I am who I am. That's a powerful statement. Jesus is essentially saying, I am. I am him. That's profound. It's good. So that's what it means to believe in Jesus. Do you believe that he's actually Yahweh? The creator of everything that exists. That's pretty profound. I know for me, it's, you know, in my own life, when I came to understand that, it's like, wow, this is God in the flesh. And this is who I'm believing in? Wow. Pretty profound. So what does it what does exactly mean to believe? What it, what it means to believe is that you must believe that Jesus is who he says he is. As revealed in the scriptures. So God has given us this word, this very word to show us how he is like. And you must believe that Jesus is God. You must believe that he died for your sins. You must believe that Jesus has washed you as white as snow. If you place your trust in, in the forgiveness of sin, in the sins, he's the only person that can offer you that freedom. And so I'm going to read another verse passage, actually. It's from Acts chapter 4, uh, verses 10 to 12. So it's going to be up on the screen. Um, it says this, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you've crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man, it was a crippled man who just, you know, he was healed. He, homie, was made to walk. Let's just say that. Is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, the people of Israel, which has become the cornerstone. Listen to this. And there is salvation in who? No one else. For there is no other name under heaven 
given among men by which we must be saved. That is powerful. Like basically what that's saying is that Jesus is the only answer for freedom. Like he's the only person that can save people from themselves, their sins. And this is the beauty of the gospel. It's that the gospel message allows people to have their eyes open to the reality of the depravity and their need for the Lord Jesus. And knowing this truth of the gospel, and especially what it proclaims in this book, is of utmost importance. If you are a follower of Christ, I cannot emphasize that. Like, this is what, what it means to believe, is believing in the promises of God. Like, that's profound. And so, and it's just beautiful to realize that. And so, I know for me, when I came to faith in Christ 10 years ago, man, I was so dead in my sin, I was addicted to so much stuff, like, just chasing after myself, you know. Who in here is a freshman? 10 years ago, I was in your place. But I was, I wasn't following Jesus. I was drinking, I was smoking hookah. I was so discontent. If you are here to listen to my testimony, man. We'll be back after a brief break. Hey, what's up everyone? We really appreciate you listening to episodes here on Tethered. If you've been impacted in any way by these episodes, please subscribe to the podcast to keep up to date on when episodes drop. Also, if you enjoy this podcast, will you please consider rating this podcast in your favorite podcasting app? Please leave us a comment. Finally, please share this podcast with your friends and family on social media or however you share things. We would really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Tethered. Now back to the episode. It's just the work that the Lord has done in my own life, saving me from all that baggage, all that sin, you know, trying to glorify myself. It took, you know, a friend who was faithful and sharing the gospel with me. And if you hadn't shared the gospel with me, I don't know where I would be right now. Be real with you. And so I, I praise God that, you know, ten, almost 10 years ago, my friend Joe shared the gospel with me. It was just so beautiful that, you know, just standing up here is just making me tear up. It's like, man, that's just providential that God placed Joe in my life to share the gospel with me. And I know that some of you need to hear this. There's people in your life who are sharing with you that Jesus is enough. Believe in him. It's not just that we need to believe in Jesus where he says he is, but that you must continue in Jesus because of what he has done. And so if you read the next verse, it says, if you abide in my word. So this word abide is something, it's a word we don't use very often in modern English. It just basically means that, you know, you can like you remain, you stay in place. If you actually look at the Greek word, um, it's the Greek word minnow. And so, and it's really used to describe staying, remaining, persisting, continuing. If you look at the way the verb is conjugated, it's basically a continuing activity that takes place if you really read it, you know, read the Greek grammar there. And so, and it's used 61 times in the New Testament to define abide. Another way to put it is that you're, you know, you keep on keeping on. 
You probably hear that phrase a lot. You know what? I'm just, you know, I'm keeping to keep on keeping on. Yeah, I can do this. I can chug along. You know, choo-choo train. Let's go. Like, let's get rolling. They see me rolling. They see me hating. You know, but, but it's good. Don't, don't, don't be hating. Let me just make that recommendation. But, but you get the idea, right? Yeah, you get the idea, right? So the idea, though, is persistence. That's the idea behind that word minnow. And so it's staying true to what you believe. And it's not believing to get by, but it's believing that God will keep his promises. It's true. To continually change your heart. I didn't say just one time. I said continually. You must believe that the very word of God, I'm going to say it again. This is what you must believe is not the not the book itself, but what's in it. You must continue to remain fixed on Jesus, who is revealed in this as the foundations. That's the idea of what it means to abide. So how do you do that? How as a disciple of Jesus do you abide? Another way you can say the word abide is to continue. So from now on, I'm going to use the word continue. Um, how do you continue in his word? And so according to this passage, there is these three Areas that we need to focus on if we want to continue in Christ Jesus. So the first one is that you must truly be his disciple. So what does it truly mean to be his disciple? It means that you not only believe that Jesus is Lord, but that you live your life learning what it means to be like Christ daily. That's what it truly means to be his disciple. So there's, you know, there's this misconception that modern evangelicals have that you must, you know, just need to pray a prayer and ta-da! Like, I'm saved. But not you don't grow in Christ's likeness though. Like, you just see it as like, I got my stamp to heaven. I'm good to go. I can do whatever I want. I'm going to heaven. I might as well. That's not the idea. Following Jesus is not a get out of chill free card. It's just not. Um, Jesus calls us to follow him to be his disciples. So a disciple is someone who's a student, a learner, a fully devoted, a, you know, devoted follower of his master. So that's what it means to be a disciple. It means you're always yearning, you're hungry, you're wanting to know what it means to learn from your master because you wanna grow. That's the idea. And so the Geneva Study Bible, um, it's an old Bible. It was like written in the 1500s. It was actually the very first, you know, legitimate English translation that was translated from the Hebrew, Greek. I'm not going to get into the detail behind that. The English in there is uh, a little hard to read, but um, basically they have this in this section that it's just profound what it really means to be a true disciple. So the true disciples of Christ continue in his doctrine that profiting more and more in the knowledge of the truth, they may be delivered from the most grievous burden of sin into the true liberty of righteousness in life. To simply put it like this, your walk with Christ is to become more like him. That's the idea. And then God provides you the Holy Spirit to be sanctified. That is progressively transformed um, into Christ's likeness. You trust Jesus daily for growing in Christ's likeness. And there are times where this is gonna be hard. I just gotta be real with you. It'll be difficult. But man, I'll tell you what, guys. Following Jesus as his disciple is so worth it because of what he has to teach you 
And so let me read this verse from Colossians 2, 6, 7. It's gonna be up on the screen for you guys. And it says, therefore, as you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, so walk in him. That means continually, you know, abide in him. Rooted and built up in him and establishes the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And so his true disciples learn to walk like him while establishing the faith, even during times of peril. That's like tribulation. So if you guys are struggling with sin or struggling with anything, I know that, you know, right now, Josh, one of our crew staff members, just lost someone that's very dear to him. And that's a tragedy. And Jesus is there to weep with him. Guys, if you're struggling with something right now, remind yourself of who Christ is. I mean, if you're really a disciple, you will know what it means to yearn to be with him and weep because he weeps with those. I mean, in the book of John, what does Jesus do when he, you know, finds out that Lazarus died? It's the shortest verse in the Bible. He wept. So, that's what it really means to be his disciple. Come to him. Come to me who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Jesus himself says that. So go to him if you're hurting. Second point. You must know the truth. And so, again, if you read that verse again, and you will know the truth is what Jesus says. So what is truth? I mean, Pilate himself asked this question as he's being interrogated right before his crucifixion. You know, Pilate believed that, you know, there was no absolute truth. I mean, this was very common in Roman society. I mean, they believed in what's called relative truth. Like, they, they try to discover your own truth. Um, I'm going to read the verse that actually, you know, is quoted in Scripture here. John 18, 37, 38. Then Pilate said to him, Oh, so you're a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose... I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness of the, to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, well, what is truth? What a good question. If, you know, all of us went out to campus and asked this question to at least 20 people, we'd get two different responses of what truth actually is. I mean, isn't that already true already? Like, have you guys ever went out to, like, Campus and, you know, when you're sharing your faith with people, have you asked them, what's truth? Got a different response, right? Yeah. I mean, you're gonna, everybody has their own truth. But what Jesus says is truth, though. Jesus himself prays that his followers would be sanctified in the truth. John 17, 17 says this, sanctify him in your truth. And this is what truth is. Your word is truth. And so from this, again, I'm going to emphasize this again. We can deduce that the truth is God's word. The Bible. This is truth. Because again, the Bible reveals to us how God is like. Jesus himself reveals to us what God is like. We need to understand that a true disciple of his word knows the truth, which is his word revealed to us. 
you will know how to walk in the truth if you continually remind yourself that this is truth. Therefore, it is crucial for us as followers of Christ to continually immerse yourself in the scripture, meditating on it day and night because the scriptures are the very word of God. It's God's words that was described by human authors. And we praise God for the Bible. And so the word of God contains how we ought to live as God created us to be because it also reveals how God is like and how to be godly. Because by our own effort, we can never attain salvation. But by the blood of Jesus and his sacrifice, we can know how to walk in accordance to his revealed word so we can be Christ-like. And guys, I know that the Bible, there's some difficult passages in this word. I mean, how many of you guys have read the book of Leviticus? I just read through it over the, over the spring. It's a hard book. I was trying my best to grind through that book. It's like, I don't get these laws, man. What, what's the point of these laws? But if you really take time to investigate what the book of Leviticus is talking about, you see that it was meant to you know, show Israel what it means to walk according to God. Like what, it, what God is expect, expects of his people. And it can be burdensome, but I tell you what, um, but these, com- these laws, these rules and, or commands, like, oh, sorry for saying rules, that's not the right word, but commands, they're more for our own good because it allows us to be shaped like God is, um, how we were originally created to be. I mean, Adam and Eve, they were perfect before the sin that they committed in the Garden of Eden. So therefore, and I'm gonna say this, do it out of love and the light of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because of what he's done for you on the cross. If you do that because of your love from the, you know, what he's done on the cross, then you want to you know, follow those commands that he says. You want to do them because you have a changed heart. And so Ephesians 2.10 says the following, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ, Christ Jesus for good works which prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. So it's out of our salvation that we want to do good works. I'm going to say that one more time. It's from our salvation that we want to do good works. Not the other way around where we have to do good works in order to obtain it. I hope that brings some comfort to you guys tonight. If you have a relationship with Jesus, if we continue in him, we will know the truth we will understand the Bible. We will understand what it means to be like Christ. Third point, and this is the most important point. You will know the truth. You must know the truth will set you free. This is the crux of this entire verse. It's a profound statement. And what makes this statement so profound is that mankind tries to find their own relative truth. I've mentioned that before. Um, As in like, what is true for you isn't true for me. But absolute truth is only found in Christ. Again, I just have to emphasize this again, guys. If you continue in Jesus, believe who he is and live according to the word of God because of your love and delight for him, you will be free. It's true. Amen? It's good. So... 
But I want to focus on one word though. It's the word set. So I need to define this word because it will make sense once you grasp the reality of the truth of the gospel. The truth will set you free. Set means that something is situated or fixed in a specific place or position. This is huge news. Once you believe that the truth of God's word, the gospel, will set you free, it means that you are set in a specific place, but you must continue to trust Jesus. And what that means is basically, like you've already been washed as white as snow. Like you don't have to clean yourself up to come to Christ. Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. So I've heard it said by one of my you know, pastors from Tuesday night, um, young adult gathering that I go to. Like that's what the gospel does. And I know some of you guys are here and hurting tonight and need to hear this. Come as you are. When you get saved, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, He will set you free from sin. It can destroy you, but you don't have to be that anymore. You don't have to live under that. You can be set free. But what that means is, is it doesn't just you know, stop there. You must depend on Him continually. That is what true freedom looks like. Even when it gets tough. Even when you want to go back into your old sin habits. I mean, the book of Hebrews, this, this verse is not up here, but it, it says in the Hebrews chapter 2 that you must continue to believe what you have heard lest you drift away. Because naturally, apart from Christ, we will drift away. And I don't want that for any of you who are following Jesus. You must continue to believe in Him. Amen? Amen. Freedom is not doing what your heart desires, but it is trusting in the very promises of God as revealing His Word. And, and, and I, I just have to say this again. Here's what continues to blow my mind. The very God that created everything we, came to, you know, we know to exist came down to earth to dwell among us. And he died a sinner's death on a Roman cross and rose again from the grave to defeat Satan's sin and death and came to give all of us eternal life. A new life not defined by our sin. Amen. Like, how does this not convict some people? I don't understand that. Like, that is profound. Mm. Praise God. Man, how worthy is God? It's good, Joey. The truth will set you free, guys. Mm-hmm. So, I just, this is what I want you guys to take away tonight. That we do not have to be in bondage to our sin because it will kill us. It's true. Mm-hmm. It will separate us from God. Our very creator, the God who made everything. The stars, the galaxies, the trees, everything. But this is what I love, though. Even though that after you follow Christ, you still can struggle with sin. Do we have to remain in it? Are we constantly doing what it takes to kill the sin in our life? That's the question we have to ask ourselves every single day. Every decision that is made. Am I doing... Is this decision that I'm getting ready to make? Will it glorify God? Hmm. Is this decision that I'm getting ready to make? 
Will it, set, will it edify others? That means build others up. And is this decision that I'm gonna make, will it sanctify me? Will it transform me? This is what's beautiful though. You don't have to do it alone. God has given us so many avenues that will help us remain or continue in Christ Jesus. So I have four ways that can happen. Um, four avenues. First and foremost, Christ has given us the Holy Spirit. And He aids us in our battle to be more like Him. Let me give you an example. The verse is not up on the screen, but this is one of my favorite verses in Scripture. It really deals with the, you know, sin of sexual morality, but I think it can apply to really any sin that people struggle with. So let me read it. I'm actually gonna read, uh, starting from verse one, just from the context of it. So it's First Thessalonians 4, verses one through eight. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus, as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual morality, that one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not the passion of lust like the Gentiles who did not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger, not like the avengers. Although you can make it that way if you want to in all these things. <laughs> As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us to, for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God who has given his Holy Spirit to you. Hmm. So the Holy Spirit is the one that, yes, causes you to become more like him, but you also have to do your part too. It's true. What are you doing to kill your sin? The second way that this, you know, this can take place is the church. The local church. Guys, crew is great. I love crew. FCA is great. Inner varsity is great. The Navigators is great. The young adult ministry I go to on Tuesday nights paradigm is great. But it's not the local church. I cannot emphasize how important it is to be a member of a local church because you get to be challenged by people in the congregation. Mm. You get to be under the authority of godly leaders. And I know that for some people that makes you cringe, but the Bible specifically emphasizes that. You know, and I'll, I'll share it from Hebrews because it's just so profound why being under the authority of a local church is just so important. It says it here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse seven, uh, sorry, 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. As those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy, not, one, not, <coughs> not with groaning, for that would be no advantage to you. So like elders and pastors, they have, a, they have a huge weight. Even here at Crew, I mean, the leaders here have a huge weight. They have to carry. They're keeping watch over your own souls. 
to make sure if you're a follower, make sure you don't you know go astray. So be under you know godly leaders. It's a place where you can pursue discipleship relationships and be pruned by them. Another way this looks like is community. And so that's Bible studies, that's you know being in a group of people that will challenge you to grow. I'm blessed to be a part of, you know, three of them. And I even got two people here tonight that are part of my community that, you know, I've grown to love them. They love the Lord. They want to grow. And they even challenge me, you know, being a more, you know, seasoned believer. Um, it just always, it's always good to be reminded of the truth. And so get into some community. I mean, you saw the announcements earlier. We got plenty of Bible studies here for you guys to join. I would encourage you, reach out to somebody if you need to be in the community. And lastly, it's the mission. That's the great commission. We are not just called to keep this to ourselves. We are it's called true. to go and share the gospel with every tri tribe, tongue, and nation. And that, and that doesn't look the same for everyone. Some people are called to overseas missions. Some people are called to reach unreached people groups. But you guys as college students have a unique opportunity to reach those who come from those countries to study. Even our very own people, Americans, need to hear the gospel as well. It's true. So reach those people because they might be hurting. Mm -hmm. Share the gospel with them. Invite them to crew. Invite them to church. Welcome them into your home. You know, even if it's like not the best looking home, still, you know, Invite people into your home because people love that. People love hospitality because um, there, we live in a dark world where people desperately need to be saved from the bondage of sin. And so I just got to say this one more time, guys, and this is the last point. Jesus offers you true freedom if you believe and continue in him, and he will set you free from the bondage of sin. So I want to conclude this message this way. So... There is a song that I recently discovered. It's called Let Freedom Ring. It's by a band called The Gayford Vocal Band. It was released 20 years ago. I want you to lean in on some of these lyrics that this song communicates. So they're gonna be up on the screen, but I'm also gonna read it as well. So listen to this. God built freedom into every fiber of creation. And he meant for us to all be free and whole. When my Lord bought freedom with the blood of his redemption, his cross stamped pardon on my very soul. I'll sing out with every breath. I'll let the whole world hear it. This hallelujah anthem of the free that iron bars and heavy chains can never hold us captive. The sun has made us free and free indeed. Let freedom ring down through the ages from a hill called Calvary. Let freedom ring wherever hearts know pain. Let freedom echo through the lonely streets where prisons have no key. You can be free and you can sing. Let freedom ring. Has Jesus set you free from your sins? If not, I'm happy to speak to you after the message tonight to answer any questions that what it means to have true freedom in Christ and what it means to continue to believe and continue in Him and how to have a relationship with Him. 
So crew, let freedom ring. Freedom! Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much that Jesus came to set us free from sin, from the bondage of sin. God, apart from you, God, we are dead in our sin. You're so holy, you're so powerful, you're so magnificent and all-knowing, all-powerful. And we, some of us in here, God, we're in, we're at war against you, but some of us, God, we've been redeemed by your blood. And I pray to God that tonight's message, God, would resonate with a lot of hearts here who are broken, God, who need to hear this because, God, they can't take it anymore. The sin is destroying them. It's keeping them from experiencing true contentment. And only true contentment can be found in Christ. And I pray that, Lord, you would convict anyone here who is far from you, God, that they need you. Draw yourself to them, God. Save them, God. Help them come to believe that you are God himself, you're Yahweh. You are the creator of the universe, God, that went on a mission to save people from their sins as prophesied in the scriptures, God. Help the students here who do know you, God, remain in you, to continue in you, to never let you go, to continue to fight, to know you deeply, God. Use people, use circumstances, God, but also may they meditate on the word, God, on your very revealed scripture that we have the Bible to continue to sanctify them, God. And we just praise you, God, that you are doing a good work in us and you will bring it to completion yes. in the day of Christ Jesus, God. True. Help us, God. Help me. I need to hear this, God. I need to be reminded that it's easy for me to fall away because, God, I'm prone to sin as well. I'm not perfect. None of us are. But, God, we can. But you are. And we praise you, God, that we don't have to we don't have to muster up any effort to earn righteousness, but in Christ we have been given righteousness. So from that, God, help us delight in you continually. In your son's name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Tether. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and family. Please also tap the subscribe button to receive notifications when new episodes are published. You can also follow Tethered on Instagram by clicking on the link in the episode notes. Hope this episode has encouraged you, built you up, and blessed you. To God be the glory. See you next time. God bless.